Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the team that can't let us down this weekend. And that is because they're not bloody playing, Mark Donaldson. Uh, what's worse right now? Who's in a worse situation? The Hearts first team or the British political system? Oh, that would be a close run thing. Um, <laughs> new, new management required on both fronts, I oh, think. Oh, very good. That, and that, that was not something we had rehearsed. Very good. We, we do don't not, rehearse anything. We don't. And sometimes it's noticeable. Sometimes maybe not so much. Um, so, yes, welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel. We will be talking about Hearts, of course, and the most recent game uh, against Hamilton Academical. Uh, we will not have a game to look ahead to because, of course, it's the international break coming up and Hearts will not be in action at the weekend. Uh, we have a few things to cover, though. We are going to talk about um, who your team would be if Hearts were not there to support. It's getting that bad. We're trying to find some. <laughs> we're trying to find non-Hearts things to talk about, apparently. Um, and I'm sure a few other things will crop up as we go through it. Um, to start with, I was going to do a bit of housekeeping. I call it. Do you know what? I, I don't know if you ever go to a training course. And at the start, <laughs> at, you heard my stuff. No. <laughs> But just in, anyone who listens who works for who works in any kind of large organisation will probably be sent to training courses at some point, and you usually get the the housekeeping at the start, which is if there are no fire drills expected today. Um, if there is a fire alarm, then it will be genuine, and the fire exits are located here, here, and here. We will have teas and coffees. So, you know the boring stuff, the 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 stuff you have to talk about, but you need to get out of the way quickly. So. Housekeeping. Um, it's in fact it's not the boring stuff, but I'm just going to cover it quickly. So, at the start of the um the podcast season, I should call it, we put a survey up, and I'm now ninety percent through all the responses. Thank you again to everyone. Um, far more than I anticipated, which is why it's taken me far longer to go through them all. Um, a few of the big things coming out of that, which I'll quickly run through. Um, majority of people have voted for keeping it weekly this the podcast and keeping it to around an hour so things um in that sense will stay the same um majority have voted for getting potential guests if possible now the practical side of this um is difficult for us because of course mark is based in the united states i'm based in scotland and we do this via skype so there are certain challenges to that, but it's something we're going to explore, even if it might be one of us gets some audio discussing something with a potential guest and we use that as part of the podcast. Not quite sure, but we are going to investigate that further. But that's why it's not quite as simple as just grabbing someone in and having them sit with us. Um, sound quality's come up a couple of times. People have mentioned this. Now, should mention that obviously compared to if you listen to podcasts from the likes of BBC Sports Sound or or any other, I suppose, um, that are done in a studio, we will never really be able to compete with that sound quality because they obviously have high-tech equipment. They're not doing it via Skype like we are. So there's always going to have to be a little bit of understanding that we won't have top-end sound quality. But certainly in terms of volume, I'm going to play around with some things this week, which will hopefully make, make us louder, which is strange because I'm pretty sure that both of us have been told many times that um, our volume is a problem for the other way. <laughs> uh, I, I, I get that quite often on a Saturday. I don't know if you do as well. Oh, yes. Um, but yes, for, for the podcast purposes, maybe I need to get the volume higher. So I'm going to do a bit of work on that. Um, keep an eye on the Scarves Around the Funnel Twitter page at Around the Funnel because I will put a link up to the website over the weekend with all the results or the, the main the main results from the survey. But thank you again to everyone for filling it in. There's a lot of constructive criticism in there as well, which is also very useful, and we will be taking that into account. Moving on, and unfortunately, uh, we will have to talk about Heart of Midlothian against Hamilton Academical, the final Hearts game before the international break. And we went into this game saying it's a must-win. No excuses now. Um, one of the 
weaker side in the league, with all due respect to, to Hamilton Ackies, um, and a team that really Hearts would feel they should be beating. Um, so Hearts went into the game with not too many changes from the, the side that lost to Celtic, three in total, but Joel Pereira and Michael Smith were injured, so they were enforced changes, and Demur was dropped to the bench. Uh, so the one, I suppose, maybe tactical change, you'd want to call it that, and in came Colin Doyle, A.D. White, and Ewan Henderson. Now, before we get into anything about the game, Mark, the final change there is an odd one for me. Ewan Henderson um, was on loan at Montrose uh, last season, not around the first team at all. And at a time when we've sent out on loan the likes of Harry Cochran and Anthony McDonald, who, you know, the latter, McDonald, performed, I thought, very impressively in his Betfred Cup cameos, um, it seems very odd that Ewan Henderson is suddenly thrown in. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I've not seen a lot of Henderson, but from all accounts, he wasn't overly impressive at Montrose, which is the third tier, and he's still young, so he might develop, but with the pressure on like that, is it just me? It just seemed a very weird player to suddenly get thrown in for a, the first start since April 2018. I, I don't think it's just you. I think we have enough people um, in, in this world who they have an opinion on someone. So people would be, oh, that Ewan Henderson. Have they, have they ever, did they see him at Montrose? But you, 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 you just decide you've got an opinion on someone and, and it's made up and you're not going to change it. There was a reason that he was picked, just like there was a reason Ryan Edwards was picked in the cup final. And again, I'm, I'm going back to watching the players train every day. We're not at Rickerton. Craig Levine and the coaching staff are, and they have seen something that, that merits inclusion. What it is, I've got no idea. Was it strange? Yes, it was. Obviously, when, when there was an injury and they, they, they brought on the Japanese kid, they, they kind of played a, a similar style. Uh, for me, this is a, there's a broader issue here, and it's, it's something we, we chat about from time to time, and it's the stat that I brought up about how few matches Hearts have named an unchanged lineup. It, it's becoming like a football tombola. You're sticking your hand in for about, there's maybe three spots available every week. You're sticking your hand in a tombola, and you're picking out three names, and you're starting them. And that's how it feels. It doesn't seem like there's any rhyme nor reason. Again, you've got to look at both sides of the argument here because we don't see what Ewan Henderson has, has done week in, week out. The bottom line is, it's a master stroke if it works, and if it doesn't, then questions have to be asked. It was a fairly low-key first half. Um, Hart did go in front. There was an obvious, which I think we expected, Mark, there was an obvious feeling of discontent with with pretty much any bit of any bit of play from Hearts that wasn't showing much urgency or much attacking threat, uh, which I understand, and I think fans have obviously lost complete patience. So from the start, there was a bit of pressure, a bit of edge to the game. Um, it took Craig Halkett basically just driving forward uh, to to change things. Obviously, drove into the Aki's half, slipped it through to Sean Clare, who slipped the ball in, one nil. And overall, in the first half, I wasn't too disappointed. I don't think Hearts really had the tempo that the fans wanted, but they found themselves in front. And these games sometimes take a bit to get going. I, I was reasonably content at half time. I thought, and it'll be interesting to hear what you think, because you've obviously been very critical of him at times and justified. I thought it was possibly Sean Clare's best half for Hearts, certainly for a while. The bar wasn't very high. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. And and the, the, Sean Clare, in his Hearts career, that performance summed it up for me. I totally agree. It, it probably was his best half. But then the going got tough. And it's not just him. This isn't a pick on Sean Clare job. But the going got tough when they equalised once and, and equalised twice. And in the second half, and I know they slightly moved them, but he was, he, he was, he was probably no worse than anybody else because because they were poor. However, I've spoken before about listening to the BBC Sports Sound podcast, which is, is my way of keeping in touch on a daily basis with what's happening back home uh, in the football. And and it's it's my little thing to to and from work. Um, enjoy it. And sometimes it's a couple of days after that I get to to the reaction. Being down here at the tennis in New York, it's been been difficult to kind of keep up with certain things. 
I was able to listen, not for the first time, to Neil McCann talking, uh, having been at a Hearts game. Now, doing what I do, uh, I, I watch as much as I can. It's not always possible to watch the full 90 minutes. And I, I saw enough of the Hamilton game, but Neil McCann saw the full 90 minutes. And not for the first time of, of late. He's been to a few Hearts games for BBC Scotland. He has been the number one critic. Not me. No one cares what I think. But he he's in the game, or was, but he, he's a former player. And he's been very critical. He's saying as, as much as he, he, he plays well there, that gets you in a position, but then he's doing nothing to help you um, stay in that position mm-hmm. once you concede. And I thought, I thought that was it. I mean, it's subjective. It's subjective. But what people have to remember here, our frustration, and Neil McCann said the same, and I'm not jumping on that bandwagon because I've, I've said this before as well. Our frustration is with the fact that we have seen in glimpses, in spells from Sean Clare, an ability that makes you think, my God, you'll be an asset to this football team. That ability is visible 15, 20% of the time. Not good enough. With ability, you have to have application. If you've not got application, you're no use to us. Hearts are in the trenches right now. I don't want someone like Sean Clare in the trenches. And if, for example, it's Hearts turning it back into a game and they've been, or Hamilton have equalised once and they equalised twice, if he or others are not pulling their weight, in essence, we're playing with 10 men. Because I've spoken before, and it, again, we all have this thing in our mind. Once we've made up our mind about someone, it's very difficult to... It's like, whatever it's like. I was, I was going to go down a tangent that would have taken ages to explain, so I'm not going to do that. Because I need to learn to, to curtail my answers and give you what you ask for. But the Sean Clare thing is something that frustrates me. And it's great that he scored a good goal. He played really well for a short spell, he's got to do that for 90 minutes or longer than he's doing. And as you mentioned, it's it's maybe um, something which could be uh, attributed to a lot of the team as well, not just yeah. Sean Clare, because going into the second half, to me it was, okay, job done so far, we haven't maybe kicked on, we haven't really upped the tempo, but we've got the goal. Second half is a case of, right, let's up the ante a bit, let's get the second, let's get the third goal, Get the game done and dusted. Um, the Laurie, Laurie confidence is is shot right now. And you, you, can, you can help me out here. Right? I want to take you back to last season. There was a match that we won. Was it against Motherwell? We'd been on a horrible run. We just needed the scrappiest of victories and we got uh, it. Yeah, December 1-0 with yes, a kind of looping like, header from Haring, I think. Yes. There, there you go. That's just what we needed. And that helps the confidence. Right now, the confidence is shot. The defending is atrocious. And Tynecastle is a brutal place to play for Hearts players when things aren't going well, because quite rightly, the fans expect better. And I think the big con- the big concern for me is not even the equalising goal as such. I mean, that's a concern, but it's not the biggest concern. So it's obviously a mess between White, who I have to say, I thought had a very poor game. I think he's done quite well since coming in. It's only his second start, so it's a bit early to overly criticise, but I thought young Lewis Smith, who I th- thought was really impressive for Aki's actually on the right, cutting in onto his left foot. I thought he gave him all sorts of problems throughout the game. Um, so the goal is a bit of a mess between you know between White, then Berra, and maybe Doyle's a bit hesitant. It's 1-1, but you're 50 minutes in, in a game where I didn't think Hamilton had, a, had really had a sniff up until that point. My issue is from then on in, because you've got almost half the game left, and although we went back in front, I thought ex- from that 1-1, everything changed and it was open, and we looked unsure. We looked, um, we looked weak in multiple areas of the park. We looked hesitant all over the park. We looked poor at the back. We got a goal from a set piece. Should have really then capitalised on that. But to be honest, before Hamilton made it two-two, they should have scored. You know, um, Okampo, the big Greek Nigerian striker, had two chances which he should have buried. A better player would have buried them easily. Hit the bar from a few yards. Had a header which he should have. So the, the warning signs were there, but we didn't look like we we could figure out what to do. And one of the biggest surprises for both Jimmy and I, um, Jimmy and myself, during commentary, was Aki started time-wasting and going down the gamesmanship side because that's a team that hadn't won at Tynecastle since 1977. And Brian Rice kind of mentioned it after the game. He had a slight bit of disappointment, disappointment that his team maybe didn't win that. I don't think really in the balance of play either side deserved all three points, but... For the final 20-30 minutes, I thought Aki's looked just as likely to win it as Hearts did. And they actually created, I thought, more chances towards the end than we did. 
And that, for me, is a massive issue against a Hamilton team that, as I mentioned, have only avoided defeat twice at Tynecastle in 40 years, both, incidentally, against Craig Levine's sides. 12 of the last 15 away Premiership games they haven't scored in, and in two of their previous 28 away Premiership games, they have failed to score more than a goal, but they scored twice at Tynecastle and could easily have scored three. Is it any surprise to you that our win since the, the season kicked off, since the league season kicked off, our only win was away from home? No, not at all. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. I think we look at the bigger picture here. Fast forward seven days, the next episode of Around the Funnel. What's going to be different? Well, we're still going to be... Well, let, let, sorry. Someone will have been injured on international duty. Probably. I, was, I was going to say, sorry, <laughs> let, let's go forward two weeks. I'm, I'm sorry. We've got the Motherwell game. I forgot briefly about the international break. Okay, let's, let's go forward two weeks. So it's the Wednesday after the Motherwell game. What's different? I mean, oh, we're going to work on it. We're, we're confident it'll get better. You can't work on confidence. Confidence comes from results. You're not going to play. So, I just, this is bigger picture for me. This is more and more of the same. There's nothing really that's going to change that much between now and after we face Motherwell. And it's, it's got to be seen. It's now getting to the stage. There's so much frustration. This is going to damage hearts. The longer it stays the way it is, and I said this last week, fans will start to vote with their feet, which well, they did. Well, you could see, I mean, obviously people listening might have been there or they might have um, listened or watched the game. Um, attendances that are announced, you always got to take with a pinch of salt because it's tickets sold and include season tickets. It was, what, 15,500 announced? It was at least 2,000 less than that. The, the, yeah. the Roseburn was obviously almost completely empty because that's where a lot of the, the walk-ups would be sat. The main stand had massive gaps from season ticket holders who didn't go. The um, Wheatfield stand, where uh, Jimmy and I are based, um, that had lots of gaps. You could tell. there was, uh, And it'll only become more. I guess if you're looking at it from a business per perspective, that's maybe not immediately concerning if it's not affecting the money from tickets sold. But if that continues, then those people who aren't going, who have bought season tickets, will just not renew their season tickets. And right now, I know lots of people who, as things stand, would not renew their season ticket if things are similar to what they are now. And I know lots of people who just haven't been bothering going. And I understand it. I mean, obviously, I go. It's 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 a job for me as well as supporting Hearts. I would probably go most of the time if I didn't have the commentary duty. But a lot of people, it's more travelling. Um, it's not like, you know, they're maybe not as local as I am. It's a lot of work. And I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast, for a couple of my mates, they're up um, Aberdeenshire way. My dad is as well. They don't go as much because they have to take the car and it's two, two and a half hours each way. They, they don't go for a beer afterwards. They don't see folk. It's 100% about the game. And when it's 100% about the game, I understand when they tell me, Laurie, it's shite. I don't want to go. I'd rather do something uh, else. I, would, I wouldn't call them fair weather fans. I, I'm not sure what, what the, the actual phrase should be, but it, it's like a, a, a swing set of fans. It's those that will show up when things are going well and Tyne Castle will be a lot busier. And uh, and I'm not talking season ticket holders here. I'm talking your your walk-ups. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because the walk-ups... and So basically, what it's doing... Say, say for example, 2,000 of a walk-up. Uh, you could probably get an extra 2,000 non-season ticket holders into that ground. Um, and if, if they're paying, on average, what, 30 quid? 25 quid? Yeah, depends on got, the game. You've got, yeah, but... you've got 50, 60 grand that Hearts are losing. Now, you continue to do that, you're going to lose a chunk of money. You're going to lose a six-figure money uh, amount of money. So, Anne Budge is a businesswoman. She's she's not got to where she has in the business world by not being shrewd and uh, and good at what she does. There's a concern now, though, that the only football person on that board is a director by the name of Craig Levine. Craig Levine's also got a role as manager slash head coach of the football club. Now, the last time I checked, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. So, how do you go about, if you've, if you've reached your wit's end, from a business perspective, if you're losing money because your customers have had enough, you change it in any business, in any walk of life. So, how much of an influence is the setup playing in the role? We don't know. We, we, we don't know behind the scenes. I've said before, 
for me, it's it, it's beyond it's beyond time. It, time to move on. But we need to find someone now. It's getting to the stage whereby is is a short term gap, gal, a short term kind of um, solution better than waiting to find the right person? I mean, who, who's going to be in charge of trying to find the right person? Is it the director of football who happens to be the current manager? Is it a case of, look, let's get a Gary Naismith or, or, or someone j- just in right now because all the players maybe want is a fresh, fresh face, different voice at, at training. Before we, we finish talking about Hamilton, I want to quickly uh, read out an email from Scott Coburn um, because uh, I thought it also went over some good points. He says, uh, Hi, following the latest debacle, and we are still only in August when he writes this, um, I thought I would put some thoughts on paper. Prior to the game, this is the Hamilton game, Hearts posted the 2000 nine goals uh, in a win over Hamilton. At one of the goals, a certain David Vitevin, or David Vitevin, appeared in oh shot. God. And it struck me, there is no Vitevin-type figure in the current squad. No figure of fun, clearly out of his depth, that somehow plays. Yet we may debate the merits of form of several current squad members, but overall, you couldn't argue against this being a strong, experienced squad that should be sitting comfortably top four. As a big supporter of Levine, I am un- as I am unfortunately, sitting second bottom therefore points entirely at the manager. Leaving aside the fact that we don't seem to have a defined strategy or plan for the team, we also seem to adopt a new toy approach with the players. For example, a Bozanich is replaced by a Demure, who in turn makes way for a Whelan, etc. Since 2015, we have seemed to continually sought new players as a solution, but it's not only the constant change, it's the deployment. We seem to fundamentally change our approach for every game. Yesterday, we have a 17-year-old move to right-back, with a right-back, Jamie Brandon, left on the bench. When we lose our second forward, Henderson, we replace him with the latest toy in Mechino, in midfield, and in turn, move Claire, who is actually having a good game, out of centre. Yet, Naismith could fill either midfield or forward roles also remained on the bench. At the time, it simply felt like fling on a new signing to placate the crowd and hope something happens. Okay, nobody criticises these decisions if we win, but the point is it's happening every week and it all comes down to either the manager or if he does rely on his large coaching team, collective confusion and short-term thinking. The irony is, of course, that Craig Levine has been great for Hearts and I dearly wish he left after the cup final. It's a sad way for it to end. The increasingly bizarre interviews don't help, but he seems to de- determined to soldier on and is apparently convinced he can fix it. Obviously, Levine's words. But for his own sake and ours, I think someone, presumably Ann Budge, needs to take him aside and make the decision for him. Incidentally, were that to happen, then the nonsensical idea of promoting from within also needs bend. A fresh pair of eyes and hands on that squad, and I think we'd be, we'd be performing again quite quickly. For now, the manager has lost the fans, the players have lost all confidence, and we are rapidly spiralling into a relegation battle. Meanwhile, keep up the good work in difficult circumstances. <laughs> Scott. Good email. Good email. I know who our, our next manager should be on the back of that email. Scott Coburn and our um, Romanian friend based in Brussels. Uh, they can be directors of football, but I know who the manager <laughs> should be. Ready? Yep. Bob the Builder. <laughs> He'll fix it. I thought yep. I thought you might go with something else there, but um, it could have got controversial. Keep it, keep it simple. Bob, Bob's he's not known for for being difficult in contractual negotiations, so just get Bob in. He'll fix it. Yes, he can. Yeah, I mean Craig Levine's post post match interview, which Scott highlights. He said, "I'm angry. Some of the players are angry at each other. I'm terribly frustrated. Our defending was poor. Normally, I can't point the finger at my defenders and say they've underperformed, but scoring two goals at Tynecastle, we shouldn't be drawing." He he continues to waffle on quite a bit. As far as I'm concerned, I want to fix this and get up the league. <sighs> but how many chances do we give him that's to fix it? That's the point. That that that's that. You've hit the nail on the head there. Uh, obviously, the Bob the Builder reference. That's pretty cool. I like that. Well done. Um, thank you. Appreciate that. Craig Levine, in this kind of self-preservation mode, like we would all be in if we were fighting for our jobs, is trying to make this an isolated season. Oh, it's only August, start of September. This has been going on for too long now. This is the same stuff that we've been hearing over and over again. Now, if this was the start of the season, Craig Levine had just come in or he'd had a better season uh, since taking over or better results. 
it would be slightly different because it wouldn't be a, well, this is what you've always said. It would be like, well, this is a bit unusual for Hearts. Let's give him time to, to try and turn us around because he's obviously proved in his second spell so far that he can do that. That's what you would say if Hearts had played better last season and the season before when he took over. We don't have that. There's nothing that you can grab onto apart from it's been isolated incidents. Oh, great, you've beaten Motherwell 2-1 away this season in the Cup. Yeah, well, bigger picture, you shouldn't have needed to face Motherwell because you should have finished in a seeded position. Oh, great, you beat Celtic 4-0. Well, yeah, then what happened after that? Oh, great, you went on a really good run to, to begin the season through to October. You were top of the league, people saying, can Hearts, can hearts contend? Yeah, but if, if, if they'd plateaued and if they'd flatlined after that, then you could think, well, okay, mitigating circumstances, injuries and the like, but on the whole, that was a good season. They didn't. It was like a roller coaster. The start of the season was getting on the roller coaster. October, prior to the League Cup semi-final defeat at Motherwell uh, against Celtic at Murrayfield, was the, 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 the peak in the roller coaster. But since then, that roller coaster has been in free fall. That's the problem. This isn't since August, since July. This is long term. And that, it cannot be isolated. And that's the problem. Yeah, I mentioned this when a few of us were talking after the game. It feels like the blip was the start of last season when we won, we were winning every week. And other that was than the wallpaper. That, yeah. The mediocrity is the norm. You know, it's difficult, right? Because we're talking about it again. We're talking about it every week. I don't want to keep talking about it, but do you Nothing's know what? Nothing's going to change, Laurie. If we beat Motherwell and we actually play oh, well. Oh, if we beat Motherwell, blah, blah, blah. But what I was, no, was going to say is, I don't think my opinion, it, it would take a gargantuan run and huge amount of, a huge upturn in fortunes and performances for a prolonged period of time before I would even begin to consider changing my opinion that he's not the right man for the job. So what do, I mean, what do we do every week? Do we bother going over it every week? Because... It almost feels futile. I don't know. It's and it's futile. It's car, it's car crash. It's car crash podcast. You, <laughs> you don't you don't want to listen about us talking about Hart struggling and and what next. But you kind of have to. It's like when Hearts win Scottish Cup or, or whatever. You buy all the newspapers. But when 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 Hearts are going through uh, spells when it isn't working, you want to read opinion pieces in newspapers and websites. You want to go on Jambo's kickback. You want to read Hearts rant and other. Twitter accounts and see what they're saying because you want to see if you agree with it. You want to take part in polls. Is it the end for Levine? What should be done? Blah, blah, blah. That's just, it's just wanting to feel a part of it. And you can tell clearly by the way we're speaking about it and the passion we have for it. That's no different from any other Hearts fan. We want what's best for the football club. Right now, it's, it's horrible to watch. There's Hearts fans out there of a certain generation that have been through a lot worse. They've been through Division 1 and, and horrible times. Obviously, we had the financial issues after the Romanov um, regime. I don't want to get back there. We have a choice here that can prevent that. Back then, it was mismanagement. Now, if you keep doing what is in place right now, you keep doing what you've been doing, in a, in a way, is that mismanagement? Because nothing's going to change. No. But we will keep talking about it. And we will talk about it again um, next time, I'm sure. Um for now, let's move on. And last week, yay! Last can we week, inject, can we inject some humour? Last week, uh, just just a change of to- topic, I guess. Just to okay, well, okay. Like... Uh, before you before you mention okay. last week, I've got I've got a dilemma, and I need help. Yes, okay, I'll try. I'm sitting in uh, in a hotel room in New York City, uh, having been out, finished last night at one o'clock as we normally do in the morning. So you you go for a, a little nightcap. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> hadn't had lunch because I was calling matches yesterday. Uh, sorry, hadn't had dinner. So, obviously, after the nightcap, came back to the hotel room and got the munchies. Right? So, there's a packet of Mrs. Fields' glorious chocolate chip cookies <laughs> sitting there. So, um, basically, got myself ready for bed. Still didn't brush my teeth because I wanted uh, I wanted the munchies before bed and before brushing my teeth. So, I had, had a couple of chocolate chip cookies. A, cu- Long story a, cu- a couple? Yeah, all right, shut up. Long story short, <laughs> wake up this morning, okay? Guess what? I have somehow slept on one of the chocolate chips <laughs> on my white sheet. What the hell do I do now, right? So do I write a note saying, 
chocolate chip, honest. And that it is that, a hundred percent. God's honest truth. It is a chocolate chip that I have slept on overnight and the bed is a bloody mess. Right? And I'm sorry for being graphic, right? But it doesn't look like chocolate chip cookies. So what am I do what am I gonna do? Do I do I have a, a, a post it note saying honest chocolate chip cookies? Have you do got I, the have hey, you got the wrappers? Why don't you leave the wrappers next to the <laughs> the mark? Uh, <laughs> although she might, uh, although the, the whoever comes in from housekeeping might think, yeah, that's exactly what someone would do if they'd left a mess. Of, co- uh, of course, <laughs> of course. Or do I scrunch the sheet up? Now, bearing in mind it's the base sheet, it's the one we all sleep on. It's not the duvet or anything like that you can maybe hide. Make the bed myself. It's coming back to haunt me. I'm here till next Tuesday. U.S. Open's only at quarterfinal stage, right? There is what appears skid marks on the bed. So what the hell do I do? Help! I th- I think you've you've got to. You've I think leaving the evidence would be best. It maybe even just looks like you've been in a rush and left them out and. It looks like I've shit myself. <laughs> well, that's I mean. Leave I... the cookie wrappers out and you can. That. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. Come on. Is that, I think it's the best we've got, isn't it? It's the only option, unless you want to wait and tell someone. But then... No, no chance. But then if you protest too much, then it looks even more exactly. suspicious. So I think just leave the wrappers. Make it look like you barely noticed it. The cookies were left on the bed. You maybe even slept on top of the on the bed and you got up in a rush. Leave the wrappers and then you can let us know next time what the first, how it, how it oh, turned up. no. No? Okay. Just thought I'd... I'd, I'd, I'd change the subject slightly. Uh, we've seen enough shite on the pitch. I thought we'd kind of continue that uh, that topic conversation and lighten things up a little bit for you. There you go. Sorry, you were saying last week. It's a cookie. No, it's not a cookie. Not a cookie. Mm-mm. Thank you. We've had we've had Sesame Street um, themes quite often on here, but I never thought the Cookie Monster <laughs> hey! would, would come Ooh. up. Um, Moving on, moving on swiftly from um, Mark's soiled sheet. No! Uh, <laughs> so last week I mentioned, uh, I was put on the... Oh, sorry, sorry, I have to say this. I did the sniff test. You have to, just in now, case. Now you are protesting too much and you're trying to justify oh, okay. it a bit. Just, just, okay. just move on. Definitely chocolate. Okay, let's move on. Okay, anyway, moving on. So I mentioned, uh, put on the spot... A potential bit of homework could be, who would you support if hearts weren't there? That's whether hearts you know, went out of business, whether they never existed. Is there a team that you would have an affinity towards? So we, we got some good responses, so thanks um, for that. I, I got quite a long email from uh, Campbell Binning, and I like to give people um, some some airtime if they went to the effort of, of writing us an email. So I'll start with this. Uh, uh, hi, Laurie and Mark. Um, In keeping with your obscure links to clubs, I have my own story. I live in Berlin nowadays, but grew up in Birmingham. My dad has been a Hearts fan his whole life, despite being born and growing up in Glasgow himself. He chose chose Hearts to annoy his Rangers-supporting father far better than the boys in green anyway. Uh, The first photograph I have of of myself is... um, of him in a Jambo's baby grow, only a few minutes old. I'm hearts through and through and have no choice or desire to choose in that matter. Um, However, having lived in Birmingham my whole life, I have had to support a more local team in the absence of getting to Tynecastle every week. We do get up occasionally, but not every often. Therefore, uh, when my dad first moved down, he did a tour of the Midlands clubs to see which he enjoyed the most. His eventual answer was Walsall FC. Another team that has its highs and lows and always seems to be shite at the same time. Um, <laughs> Mum and Dad are now season ticket holders at the Best Scott in Wales. Uh, Wales? In Walsall. Um, uh, Dad even at one point wrote a letter to Craig Levine the season before I last, uh, I believe, trying to persuade him to sign Erin Oztumer, um, or as he was more familiar, familiarly known to us, the Turkish Messi. Um, unfortunately, there's been no link in terms of players between the two clubs besides my family and I. Um, so to answer your question, if Hearts didn't exist, then I would have to be a Walsall fan too. But it is always and always will be Hearts first, Walsall second. I do have a uh, have to follow a few other results too. I studied at university in Italy in a town called Perugia and managed to get along to a game at the Stadio Renato Curi, I think it is. Uh, a once great side crippled by awful leaders. However, the ex-Italian international Alessandro Nesta was the manager. 
I didn't actually realise that. Um, and living in Berlin, I have attended several Hertha Berlin matches, but with the rise of Union, a fan-owned club who recently acquired promotion from the German second division to the Bundesliga, I have to follow those results too. I sometimes lament the fact I don't get to see my sides win every week, but then I don't think I'd enjoy football half as much. And that's uh, best, wish- best wishes from Campbell. Good to see him picking Walsall, who I don't think I've ever seen in any form, whether on TV or not, or... Saw them once at the Best Stadium when had we been down at my sister's? I think it was on the way back, and we just there was a, there was a match on, so I went with my mum to that ground. Uh, yeah, Walsall, shitty part of the world though. There is a theme to this show, isn't there? I think it's maybe glutton for punishment is is one yeah, of them maybe. possibly that you you don't want to. Why would you follow maybe an Aston Villa, one of the bigger teams? Why would you pick those? More fun. Well, to... that, that, that's rebel. That, that's just being a rebel. That's supporting City when United were good. That's supporting Everton when, when Liverpool Liverpool were good. By the way, I, I mentioned last week that my other team is Pennycook Athletic. What a result that was to get through to the Scottish Cup first round proper uh, for the first time since 1939 when they lost to Hearts 14-2. <laughs> but great. It's it just... when. When you've got a second team like that, not not like a, in the same division or maybe a, in a different league or whatever, and your your top team, your big team like Hearts at the weekend, Hearts put you in a bad mood, but it's good that your other team, your your hometown team, can can pick you up and that that's a great achievement. So Pennycook Athletic for me are are uh, are my second team. Ian Buckle says uh, Livy couldn't stick any other. Uh, and Mike Bradley also says, I would have supported Livingston if I wasn't a Jambo. Um, a fairly young team, Livingston FC, of course, 1995, following Ferranti Thistle and then Meadowbank. Yep. Um, now, I wasn't, I only got interested in football about a year or two after that, so I wasn't really involved when the change was made. What, what was it like beforehand when it was Ferranti and Meadowbank? I can only talk to you about Meadowbank, having seen them a few times at the old stadium uh, along London Road. Um, Ferranti Thistle was basically a work team that then mm-hmm. became... Bill, Bill Hunter got involved. Um, uh, now, Bill, Bill was certainly the Livingston part of it. I'm not sure who was involved for the Ferranti to Meadowbank. But it was it was soulless. This giant big stand with a running track around the pitch, benches all the way around. Um, that had been part of the 1984, uh, sorry, 1986 Commonwealth Games, where they put stands up over on the far side. And mm-hmm. I remember watching, was it 1993? Meadowbank played Dundee, and, and Jim Duffy was playing, and and Jim was loud on the pitch. He was a leader, and you could hear pretty much every word in, from any seat in the stand. But they had a hardcore. And this is the whole thing about Scottish football. We what we got 42 kind of top flight or one, two, and three teams. And then other teams that are in Lowland League or whatever mm-hmm. that are still kind of semi-professional, um, they all have a place in, in the, the kind of pantheon of Scottish football. And I hate this. Let's merge. I know Inverness Thistle merged with Inverness Caledonian, and, and that's that's been a great success. But on the whole, um, even if you've got 50 fans to 100 fans, Meadowbank Thistle had a really small band of, of loyal fans, and that's why it's been difficult for Livingston to to attract a a decent um, fan base because what was it 2002 I think they first came up they beat Hearts all four times and yeah 2001 2002 yeah yeah, yeah all, all all the time that Hearts and Hebs and Rangers and Celtic to an extent went there there were more away fans than, than home fans but just because you don't have like Hamilton just because you don't have that many fans you're still entitled to dine at the top table yeah I was at their very first game in the top flight because they beat Hearts 2-1 at so the at the the uh, I think it was... It was Almond Vale. Al- Almond Vale at the time, not the City do, Stadium. Do I remember Fran- Francisco Kino? Did he score in that game? They had loads of... I remember going to a press call. David Fernandez as well. Yeah, they had loads. It was like the, the Airdrie Consortium had got involved there as well. And we showed up at a press conference one day. And it's the only press conference I've been to that eclipses the Hearts presser where all those players in the January transfer window were unveiled, your Hackett's and your Michaela's and your Bishlesia. They had 14 or 15 and they all had name tags at a table. Um, it was the most incredible press conference. I think that was that was slightly later um, than the first season up, but my God, they, they did well. Gordon Stitt says it has to be Kelty Hearts for a number of reasons. Hearts still mentioned, colour of the kit, and could use the same scarf. 
also got a great <laughs> setup and great ambition. And they are, of course, managed by a certain Barry Ferguson mm-hmm. and a couple of former Jambos in the ranks, Stephen Husband and uh, more recent Sean McCurdy. Yep, and do you know who they've drawn in the Scottish Cup first round? Oh, I know, I forgot. I did see that draw. Who, who did they get? Tie of the round, Doc and Lech Talbot. Oh, that's a tough one. Very tough one. That should be live on TV. Seriously. If we're going to draw the game, let's not wait until the, the top teams come in. It might be. It might be on the BBC Scotland channel. I, I don't know. I've not paid that much attention to, to that. But what an opportunity to grow the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a, the standard's decent. It's really good. You've seen Ockenleck Talbot come to Tynecastle a couple of times, especially that first time when they only lost 1-0. When, was it Gordon Smith scored, scored yeah, the winner for half? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a reasonable standard. They'd hold their own in, in League 2. Definitely. Um, Ewan Pringle says Spartans for a Scottish side Edinburgh club with good connections to the community good setup and affordable always looked out for and have been uh, to Ajax as well so probably try to see more of them um, Spartans yeah obviously another Edinburgh choice and uh, Leroy uh, Makavora is currently on loan at Spartans the man who was one of the many youngsters who appeared in that final game of the season uh, the campaign before last when Hearts had to play a lot of teenagers away to Kilmarnock in the final game is he the only Leroy that's ever played for the Hearts first team? I, so. <laughs> I would guess yes, but um, that's not based on um, doing any research. Okay. Jamie Devlin says, my answer would be Selkirk, as they were my local team until folding. Uh, I feel a small sense of loyalty to Bonnie Rig Rose, as they were my dad's side, uh, local side, my dad's local side rather, and Berwick Rangers, as they were my mum's local side, but it would probably be Haddington, as they were my local team growing up, not far from me, obviously East Lothian. Now, here's one for you. I, I love this because I did a quick little bit of um, looking at all the teams that people mentioned. Haddington Athletic, currently managed, I don't know if you knew this, by Joe Hamill. I did, because ah, I read the evening news, the evening news um, <laughs> junior roundup okay. um, every week. Uh, Scott, whatever his name is, does it. Yeah, the, there's a couple. Um, just ex-players, who am I thinking of? Um, like Tommy Coyne's son. I know he didn't play for Hearts, but there's sort of, who else? There's various guys that kind of didn't make the ranks, but yeah, Hamill. Um, oh, I'm sure I could come up with more if I had time, but it's boring listening to me think. <laughs> um, interesting. Um, Joe Hamill also played for Bonnie Rig Rose, which was uh, Jamie's, uh, Jamie Devlin's dad's local site. Um, and of course, played for, played for Hearts, 70 games, six goals. Yeah, yep. I did a piece on Sky Sports News many, many years ago uh, on Bonnerig Rose. They qualified for the, the Scottish Cup proper for the first time. It wasn't long after they allowed junior clubs entry, like junior cup winners uh, entry, into the, the Scottish Cup proper, the senior Scottish Cup, and spent about two hours with a historian. My goodness, it was just fantastic. And they've kept so much as well from the days in the pictures and all sorts uh, that's why we're, we're talking earlier about little clubs and, and Meadowbank Thistle and teams that don't have many supporters. Bonnerig's like, it's Saturday, I live in Bonnerig, I'm going to watch the Rose. Same with Pennacook Athletic. That's what it's about. They're, part, they're, they're uh, an integral part uh, of the fabric of the community. And you get stories like that, and every story's got them, whether it's former Hearts players managing your local club, guys like Joe Hamill or, or others. That, that's why I, I, it's just honest. It's raw. You can hear things that, honestly, there's people with mouths like sewer rats, just filth coming from the stands. But you've got assistant referees that are less than 10 feet away getting absolutely barracked. But that's what they do. And they're probably getting like 50 quid a game or something like that. But it's Scottish football. I wouldn't change it for the world. Amaruso lets it run, says Inverness would be his choice uh, as it's his brother's team and he has a soft spot for them. Um, and, of course, lots of links there. Robbo in charge and a huge amount of ex-Jambos in the ranks. Mark Ridgers, James Keatings, Kevin McHattie, Nikolai Todorov, Brad Mackay. Um, and a team that, I have to say, most people I know tend to want to be back up in the top flight, purely because they like the away day up to the Highlands. Love that. Love that away day. And we played Cove Rangers a couple of years ago as well, didn't we? We did. When they were non-league. Yeah. I know it's not the Highlands, but just trips up there. That was always all, all stories to be told from, from those trips, I'm sure. 
Uh, Sharon says, if I had to pick, then it'd probably be Greenock Morton as they're my hometown team. Um, Robbie Muirhead and John Sutton both now play for Greenock Morton, former Jambos. Um, Robbie Muirhead's an interesting one. I always thought he had something. Yeah, scored those two goals against Rangers in Robbie Nielsen's last game, which... Um, yeah. And uh, Yeah, well, he went to MK Dons, obviously, That's with right. Robbie, uh, but then came back up the road to Dunfermline and now at Greenock Morton. So, yeah, it didn't quite work out for him. Um, Perth to Paisley says, The mighty Sterling Albion or Rangers, for family reasons, uh, my great-grandfather's and... Uh, Grandfather's teams, respectively, probably more so the Beanos than Rangers. Um, Sterling Albion, who recently re-signed a certain Dylan BK, the French striker that Hearts oh my God, I remember him. beat Hibs to the signature of, uh, ended up in Cyprus for a couple of years and back in Scotland. Did he get a work permit or something, or what was that all about? Um, no, he played twice for Hearts. Um, BK? BK appeared twice for Hearts, yeah. Um, but... It was basically rubbish. Um, and it was one of these where... Was this one of these signings where Hearts just signed him so Hibs didn't? It, it, it was... <laughs> yeah, it was just... Wow. I think um, they must have both been sub-appearances, but he did play. Um, Partick Thistle, Partick Thistle to Hibs, uh, Hearts nil. He got on 58 minutes, played in that game. Yeah, did, did well. And Hearts nil, Ross County won. <laughs> well, did well, He yeah. um, came on for 13 minutes. So there you go. Uh, pretty much played a half of football in total, combined with those two appearances, um, and was just rubbish. Yeah, so there you go. Dylan BK, who would have... Who'll be talking about him in the more birthday kind of realms in a few years? Um, Super Sai says, my only other interest in football is fantasy football. I'd spend more time with the family and I'd find another hobby. I only go to Hearts games because I've been brainwashed into attending. Like many of us, Sai, like many of us. Um, Willie Laidlaw says, the Staggies, family live in Dingwall and always catch a game or two went over every year. Um, love it. Brilliant away trip. Love going up to Dingwall, um, despite the, the journey time. Um, you've got the Mallard, great pub on the platform. And it's just incredible. Less than 6,000 people in Dingwall, and they have a top-flight team. They've actually done reasonably well over the last few years in a top flight. Obviously had that brief stint back in the second tier. Um, not one that... Have you been up there? Because I know we played there in the Cup, I think, when before they were a top-flight team, but you would have been over in the States by the time they were promoted. I remember going up there in League Cup. We lost on penalties. Who was in charge? Uh, Craig Levine. He was. <laughs> yeah, lost on penalties. I don't know why I remember, but it was Tony Bullock was in goals. For yeah, he was. Don't he know why I remember that. Saving, yeah. saving penalties. Yeah. But anyway, Tony yeah. Bullock. HMFC France says, if I had to choose another Scottish team, it would be Dundee United, but only because of football manager. Um, and that's from HMFC France. Uh, Lewis, who supports Lyon as a local side, but picked up hearts from playing FIFA with his friends. And I love stuff like that. It's similar to uh, Claudio last week, who's obviously Romanian and lives in Belgium. Um, I did a piece in the programme um, for Lewis. Uh, who is obviously based in France, why he supports Hearts. And he says it was purely his mates would all pick Celtic when they had to go Scottish teams, and he picked Hearts. And from then he started following the team, started looking them up online, subscribed to Hearts TV, and now he's been over and watched Hearts. I, I love stuff like that. It it's crazy. But just to, to find, you know, in a country like France with so many big club options, and then if you're going to look beyond France, who would you pick? Hearts. I think it's great. Cool. It's obscure... Wonderful. Really love it. Um, Jimmy McDowell says, Newcastle United and Linlithgow Rose could never attach myself to another top-flight Scottish team, which is fair enough. Scott Stevenson says, Albion Rovers, much the same reasoning as Mark. I couldn't support another top-flight club. The Wee Rovers are my closest league team. Uh, obviously, Coatbridge-based, and they are managed by former Hybe Kevin Harper. Um Hearts Colts recently quick... beat them 4-1 in the Tunnock's yeah. Caramel Wafer Cup. What a, what a, a, quick... what a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting more and more ridiculous now, isn't it? We've got a trip to Waterford next. That's oh, pretty good. That's yeah. a, the European days are back. Andrew, Waterford's a, my, um... it's a nice, nice town, by the way, <laughs> down on the coast. Yes, my um, regular away co-commentator, uh, Andrew Petrie, I'm sure will be chucked over to Ireland to cover that one. <laughs> 
Uh, so, so briefly, the quick story about Albion Rovers. Mm-hmm. 1990-something, uh, I put a call into whoever it would have been. I don't know if it would have been Gordon Scott or Martin Dempster or someone at the Edinburgh Evening News saying, do you want me to cover the game on Saturday between Albion Rovers and Cowden Beef? To which was the response was, why the hell would we want that? Or something along those lines. Uh, of, of course, the reason I was asking, it, would, it was Craig Levine's first ever game as a manager. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I covered that for the evening news. It was just like it was a couple of hundred words or something. It was, it wasn't much. I've, I've still got the article somewhere. I think I think uh, Cowdenbeath won it. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of come full circle now because on this weekly okay, podcast, he's going, he's going back to Albion Rovers. No, I mean I've covered his first match as a manager, and and now we're calling for it to be his last match uh, as 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 Hearts manager. Um, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually the last twenty minutes when we've spoken about different things and different teams and took your mind off, off. tangents. <laughs> it did, it did, and then I've just looked down and I've seen the chocolate chip cookie all over the bed, and it's <laughs> I'm, I'm back to I'm back to misery again. Yes, I feel like the the chocolate chip cookie skid mark stains on your sheet are some kind of symbolism to to hearts right now. <laughs> <laughs> clean up that skid mark um uh, anyway Stuart wilson says edinburgh city would be his choice uh, and they have a again i'm I'm looking at hearts links ex jambo youngsters conrad balatoni and a certain craig thompson who is their captain as well um keith MacArthur says wraith probably all of their supporters i've met are sound he says um wraith who have their own managerial issues because well they have John McGlynn. Um, and thankfully, Craig Levine, um, as much as he um, has interesting press conferences, doesn't like to have a go too much at me or, or Phil or any of the other Hearts media team on air, which John McGlynn has done recently. Um, surely, though, Wraith Rovers, now there, there's, there's a side that we could do with having back in the top flight. Loved Wraith Rovers. Just to kind of, oh yeah, they're, they're harmless. And it, certain things, it's like hearing music or hearing certain tracks and you immediately get taken back to, oh, that, I remember that music because that's when I did this or, or whatever. Football teams are the same. Wraith Rovers, what does that, what's the connotation of Wraith Rovers? The, <laughs> the connotation is being a, I'm sure it was a Monday friendly. Um, and it was just, why were we there? It was middle of July. We had nothing better to do. It was one of the first games that Hearts had played that preseason. Not too far over the bridge, blah, blah, blah. And half-time whistle goes, and it's just like, okay, let's go and get a pie or bovril. We're behind the goals uh, in the terracing, I I, I believe. It was before the the big stand. Uh, If you're in the main stand, if you look to your right, there's now the big big stand behind the goal. It was when that was still terracing. So you're kind of milling around, some are are going for a a pie or whatever. (laughs) All hell breaks loose. You're like, what the hell? Now, it wasn't until probably the day after uh, because it wasn't a match that there was anybody there from commentators or anything like that, and there were there were there were a couple of journalists there um, who were able to um, put down into print what the hell had happened when Craig Levine spark knocked out Craig ah. Hogg. <laughs> but you didn't have there wasn't Twitter or anything like that back in those days where it kind of a buzz went around the ground uh, because it it was at the other end where the Hearts fans were. We were behind that goal. This happened near the tunnel. And all hell broke loose. We had no clue what was going on. Um, again, I, did they both get sent off? I think they did or something like that. Yeah. It, be, it, be, it became clear something had happened. But in those days, it wasn't until the, the kind of next day in the newspaper, because there was no Hearts Twitter account or whatever, that we found out from the journalists who'd been in attendance, of which there was probably only three or four, what had actually happened. And, and, and my God, that was... Uh, that was a boring Monday night that, that suddenly turned into something that's going to be remembered for a long time. One of my memories of Starks Park before we were um, obviously down in the championship and playing them in the league uh, was also a friendly there. It was a Laurie Ellis testimonial just after we'd won the cup. So John McGlynn returned to Starks Park as Hearts manager. Um, and it was uh, the first time I'd got a glimpse of a certain 17-year-old right back who ended up opening the scoring a certain Callum Patterson who had obviously really to, ah. to do quite well and I'd heard yeah he um I remember hearing before the game oh this guy's got something about him he's only just he's only just 17 he's pretty young and 
in Raw and he'll be right back, but believe me, he'll probably want to go forward a lot more than he will defend. Yeah, so Hearts won the game fairly comfortably and it was Laurie Ellis's testimonial, one of the few lorries in recent years in, in football that I've noticed. Spelt the right way as well, spelt with a U like, like yours truly. Up until that comment about Laurie Ellis's testimonial, <laughs> I was just waiting, no, I was waiting for you to come up with what you normally say near the end, right? Have you got homework this week or blah, blah, blah. And I didn't, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I didn't have anything. But now I do. Okay. Simply, t- testimonial memories. Ah, okay. Testimonial memories, I like that one. Because Craig Levine had two. The first one was on a Sunday and two and a half thousand showed up. And it was, I felt for him because he's obviously had had the knee problems and I think, was it Leon? Or, I don't know if Leon was the first one or the second one. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, t- testimonial memories, as, as as varied or as wacky as, as, as you want. That's a good one. Um, they don't happen as much these days. Not really. Uh, no, mainly not really. because players tend to flit about more often. Um, yeah. Before we before we go, I, I want to go through, uh, I've got a few more to get through, so we'll quickly go through these. Um, Mark says, it would have to be Whitehill Welfare, have supported them alongside Hearts since the early 90s. Local to me, um, uh, as he comes from the middle of the area, still follow them when I'm not at Tank Castle. Our hearts are playing away. And here's another one. I hope you don't know this one, but maybe you do. Assistant manager at Whitehill Welfare. Well, I know that Craig Meikle is the manager because he was the year below me at school and he used to play for Pennycook. Craig's assistant. It's uh, assistant once set up a it's goal. Not Horn, is it? It's no. I was going to say once set up a goal that you commentated on. Neil Janicek is assistant. He's on there is he? Yeah, I saw Craig when I was when I was back briefly for the cup final, and they were going through the spell at that stage of Bonnerig Rose not having been granted their SFA license, which would have meant them not being promoted to the Lowland League, which would have meant Whitehill Welfare not being relegated. So that was what he was going through at the time. Uh, I'm not sure he had Neil on board. Um, chance, unless that's not updated. I mean, that's that's stamp. interweb. So yeah, I don't know, Janchik. Yeah, good. I remember, was it Craig Levine made a comment about Neil Janchik? And I think he was he was spot on. Neil Janchik could have played in a better league than the Scottish Premier League or Premiership or whatever is known at the time because of the attribute of... If you put him in the middle of a, a midfield or just dropping back, just behind the, the midfield and kind of be the conductor of the orchestra in a slow-paced uh, kind of build-up league, not like Serie A or something like that, he had ability, but I, I don't know. I mean, he was so very, he was very he was slow. He was very slow. He was, I remember. he was, and that's why he's saying like when when the going got quicker, then it was it was maybe a little bit of a struggle. But my God, he he was one of the best passers of the football at that time. But he unfortunately didn't have either enough opportunities or uh, enough whole all round talent to to make more of an impact. But we'll always be known for that assist for Phil Stamp. At, uh, well, he's, yeah, set up McKenna for the leveller with a clipped ball into the area as well that the the moose nogged nogged nodded in. So yeah, nog nog nodded. Nog nog. No, I'll get there. Um, Brian Allen says Auchinleck Talbot families in Ayrshire, great club with a great support, and indeed they are one, obviously the most successful junior clubs and played Hearts earlier this year. Uh, Trevor Cowan says it would have to be the Edinburgh Monarchs full time as football would be deed. Um, so he's going the Speedway route. I've told you the story about Scott Wilson at Radio 4, haven't I, with the Speedway? I think so. Fri- yeah, fri- Friday night, he used to he used to MC the Speedway, but it started at 7.30 sharp every Friday. He got off air at 7 o'clock. So when he used to be on drive time on Radio 4, he would tell us, <laughs> maybe shouldn't say this, but sod it, what they're going to do now. He'd tell everyone to avoid Gamekeeper's Road because it was always busy, because that was his route home. And he would always get there for 7.30 and everywhere else around Gamekeeper's Road was a shithole because it was jammed. He always did that. Good effort. Sneaky bugger, sneaky bugger. Yeah. I don't think you right, have told right. that one, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you've got the influence. I mean, if he'd ever been found out. I mean, I could tell another story about Scott, which I won't. Okay, I will then. <laughs> um, okay. Get, be, on, be on line 192. We had a six-line phone system at Radio Forth, and there were there, there might have been times where prizes were never dished out. There, I'm not suggesting there were, but they would go to friends and family. Oh maybe. dear! Oh dear! No, just I'm talking CDs. I'm not. I'm, big big prizes were always 
it was always above board. But th- this was if if we used to put requests into Scott and Tom and say, any chance of the <laughs> the new Lighthouse family album or whatever? Oh, you deserve mean, that. Oh, exactly. We're not. We're not. I'm not. I'm, I'm shaking not my head. I know You're you can't well, see me. Uh, the, uh, not head. at his behaviour, but at the, at the request for the Lighthouse family CD. Both. That's what you should be. Both. Okay. Shameful. Okay. Um, Shameful. Mark Smith says he'd support um, his local team, Eastfield, due to Baggio being part of the backroom staff, uh, or Clyde, due to me walking past the stadium every day. Um, Eastfield, uh, uh, of course, a Cumbernauld-based amateur side that Steve Fulton coaches at. And I can't remember if both of his sons, at least one of them are still there, Dale, um, so, uh, yeah, there's a good choice as well. Um, and Bro- Broadwood, by the way, is also home to Cumbernauld Colts. No, and they have, yep. drawn, they have drawn Pennycook Athletic in the first round of the Scottish Cup. Good information. See? Good information. Shite. Just no one cares, but, hey, it's, it's pertinent. So you don't expect we've, – we've waffled on today. This is a long one. Um, you, you don't expect constant quality of chat when the two of us get together. <laughs> do you? Come on now. I think everyone should be accustomed to the quality of chat by now. Uh, finally, finally, Connor says, um, I'd have to become a full-time Schalke fan. It's as thankless as being a Jambo, so we'd fill the gap. Uh, be generally quite happy to just ground hop, though. Uh, of course, there are some Hearts Schalke links. Uh, I know there's a few um, uh, a few fans who, who have followed both sides from uh, from both Germany and then from Edinburgh either way. Uh, Hearts, of course, have... played Schalke in yeah. UEFA Cup Group A back in 2004 at Murrayfield. 1-0 Schalke victory. Thanks a goal from the Brazilian Lincoln. Um, that was a weird It was a weird setup, though, Laurie, because it was a five-team group. Yeah. So there, was always, there was always a match day where you weren't playing. And I would have loved to have gone to Gelsenkirchen and, and commentate on Hearts, but yeah. the ties that we got away from home that year were Feyenoord and Basel, I believe, with Ferenc yeah. Faros and Schalke at home. Robbo was in charge for that Schalke game, and a certain 19-year-old Christoph Berra was on the bench. And you know who was in charge of Ferenc Faros at Murrayfield, don't you? Yes, I do indeed. A certain future Hearts manager who, who Robbo had a, a wee kick at. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, Chabalazzo. He was indeed, yes. Um, Chris Thompson actually commented saying, you effing mental, no Hearts, no party. And that's a good way to end it. Although, maybe I should say, if I had to pick another team, it would be a team that I do follow as well. Obviously, I would, Hearts are my team, but... Um, and it dates back to hearing this in the 90s. Which, of course, was Football Italia from the 90s, because that's what we had to watch on TV when you didn't have satellite TV and there wasn't Scottish football on anything. Sunday afternoons were spent watching James Richardson and uh, Football Italia. And the team I picked, and I think it was purely because of the team who were on most regularly, who wore a kit most like hearts, was AS Roma from the capital, um, Francesco Totti and... uh, Obviously, they had that fantastic season at the turn um, of the millennium, 2001, when they won the league. But before then, it was just, I think, the colours. And I loved watching that programme on Channel 4. It was probably the most football I watched in my early, um, most live football on TV I watched anyway, and most highlights on TV in my early football supporting time. Um, Loved that at that time. And obviously, we didn't get much of it till BT got the rights and then obviously lost them again. But football Italian in the 90s, James Richardson... What, what, what time to, to, to be a young football supporter? It was brilliant. Peter Brackley, sadly, no longer with us, the mm-hmm. commentator. Yeah. It's just part of, of us growing up. And we now have a Scotsman playing in Serie A. Yep. I mean, Hellas Verona mm-hmm. have Liam Henderson, who's doing very well, having got promotion with them. They finished fifth in Serie B last year, but they got up through the promotion playoffs. Brescia won the league. Uh, but the team that, that Lecce came second, the team that finished fifth, uh, it's, it's a bit like the playoffs in NFL and, and other American sports. It's not how well you do kind of during the, the main season. If you've also got a playoff part to your season, it's 
it's how well you can build momentum towards the end of the season. And now we have uh, we have Liam Henderson. I know he was a former heavy and Celtic player, but I, I love to see Scots doing well if they if they leave the shores. And it's great that uh, I'll get the chance this uh, these next two seasons, hopefully, to to commentate them if uh, if we pick a a Hellas Verona game to do on ESPN. They're not getting that bloody goal mentioned, by the way. He will. Not, that's not happening. That that Henderson to deliver? No, that's getting that. That's not happening. Not on an ESPN broadcast. Hibs are not getting a Scottish Cup win mentioned to a national audience in the United States. Quite right as well. Use your Thank power you. wisely, like yes, you did back yes. in those days, stealing prizes from the masses. Um, Borrowed. I, do you want it back? <laughs> the the lighthouse. Back, got it. The lighthouse family. Bugger that. I'm, I'm going to have to play them at the end now from your stolen CD. <laughs> what track am I going to pick from that? Lifted. <laughs> lifted. Set, That's very good because you lifted it. I like it. Exactly. Oh. See what I, this is. This is actually all right. See what happens when I've actually someone said. I think it was Anne. <laughs> a message saying Mark sounds very down. I was still kind of not drunk last week because I'm a prof- <laughs> kind of a professional. I was. I literally was. I'd woken up two minutes before we came on air. Yeah, um, that is and, true. And and this week I've I've woken up and the vision in front of me has made me wake up pretty quickly. And I have uh, I've sent you said picture, so you ah, can yes. if you if you you, you can uh, feel free to, to see what I mean. It is. It looks like chocolate chips, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It looks like feces. <laughs> um, oh dear. On that note, let's let's round it up. So, um, thank you to everyone for all their contributions this week. I think it's been good, and it's 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 lifted us a little to to maybe just avoid talking about the Hearts' performance too much, and <laughs> and we don't have a game to preview, so there's not. Next week, we shouldn't be any more down. So let's hope that nothing happens in the meantime to to cause that to happen. And your homework is testimonial memories. So favourite memories from testimonial games or whatever might crop it up, uh, pop into your head from testimonials of the past. Um, And we will be back. Kevin Keegan, all appearing either as mascots or playing. So many good, good memories from the past. It's funny that we're we're ending on this. I feel like there's a bit of momentum and we're yes. on a high because Hearts are not playing at the weekend and it shouldn't be that way. It should be the other way around. <laughs> we should be miserable because there's no Hearts game, but we're not. So everyone who's mentioned all those wonderful local sides, your Bonnie Rigros, your Whitehill Welfare, go and see them this weekend if they're playing. Um, I, I might go and try and see Musselboro Athletic, but um, I'll have to go and check the fixtures, which I haven't done, which is terrible. No planning ahead. Um, and we'll, we'll see you all next time uh, and as we go out I'm going to play one of Mark's stolen tracks so if, if he does get lifted before next week then you'll know why 